All right, hello everybody. My name's Sean and you're listening to Incredible Discourse. Today, it's a good one. We're going to be talking about Prince Shotoku or Prince um, Umayado. You know, a lot of times I just read these things, like I read the name and it's tough to, um, like I read it so often that like as I, as my eyes go over the name, I'm like, Umayado. And it like clicks in my head, but then like when I go to say it, it's like, but anyway, that's what we're talking about today on Incredible Discourse. So who is Umayado, you may ask? Well, he's, um, he's a prince of Japan. And there are a lot of problems with that statement. I mean, technically, if you ask and you look up in the dictionary or an encyclopedia or uh, I guess any sort of English, he's going to say Prince of Japan. He was a prince regent for his aunt Suiko. Um, He lived in the late 6th to early 7th century. Yeah, late 6th to early 7th century. And um, he, uh, he did a lot of cool stuff. Why we can't necessarily say he's a prince Daishi is technically the the term that the Koji that the uh, Nihongi uses. I think he's in the Kojiki once or twice, but um, the Nihongi definitely mentions him and whatever we trans we translate it to today as prince. What does that mean in that time? Uh, you know, the, the 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 annals of history have recorded him as a, a saintly man, as a, a champion of peace as a, uh, you know, promoter of Buddhism, as a builder of great temples, uh, you know, extender of bridges. Um, but my gut says warlord. Like, it, it, like, really is like, he's a fucking warlord. I mean, most of the books and texts and images are, like, him being peaceful, him building temples, him being nice. But, like, ooh, when you look at the history, you're like, yeah, but but I feel like there were some war crimes in there. Like, I, I feel like somewhere he murdered some people. Like, he did a lot of killing at some point. Um, I just can't find out where. I can't prove it, but I got this gut, I got this gut feeling. Prince Shotoku, fucking terrible war criminal. But, um, but, you know, now that I've finished offending all the Japanese Buddhists, uh, we'll get into the, into the meat and potatoes of it, right? So... Prince Shotoku can't, he's not really from Japan because he's, Japan didn't exist, right? He's the guy, according to legend, who coined the term Japan. He's writing a letter over to one of the Chinese kingdoms, the Chinese states, and he's saying, hey, guy who slighted me before, because he got a letter. He wasn't a big fan of it. I guess he, they didn't get enough tribute or what, what have you. And he writes, dear ruler of where the sun sets. Yada, yada, yada. This is the greeting from the ruler where the sun rises. And basically, he's describing himself as the ruler of Nippon, of the origin of the sun. And this is the first time we have uh, the term Japan, as we know it today, but the term Nippon used, or Nihon, depending on how you know nationalistic you are. So the first time Nihon is used, I like Nippon better, because it's got that. So the first time Nippon is used is by Prince Shotoku. He's a prince in that his father was emperor, um, Emperor Yomei, but emperor and prince, these are titles that are just kind of like we use to help translate the Japanese terms. 
Um, so what he actually ruled over was the Yamato court. So he ruled over the Yamato court and they had vassal states. I mean, the Nihongi is going to tell you he ruled all of the world, right? He ruled all of the Japanese islands. That was the good place. Everywhere else sucked. And that sucked because they, they, you know, the Japanese didn't rule it or the Yamato clan didn't rule it. The imperial family didn't rule it. So if they weren't ruling it, it must suck. And they wrote a whole fucking book about it. It's called the Nihongi. It's called the Chronicle of, you know, the earliest of Japan's from the earliest of times when the world was created to about 697 AD. And what it really meant was Japan's pretty great or these islands that we live on over here are not shit and you everyone else lives in a shit a shit country. That's that's the whole point. Um so Prince Shotoku wasn't born as Prince Regent. He became Prince Regent. And you're thinking, "Oh, that's nice. Like his dad probably died." And then he took over for his aunt. But that is not the case at all. The case is that if we go back a little bit, we're going to go back to the fact that Shotoku is from a predominantly, I guess the modern, easiest way to say it is a Korean family. His mother was born in the Korean Peninsula. A lot of his family were born on the Korean Peninsula. He has very strong ties to the Korean Peninsula. He brought Buddhism into the Japanese archipelago from the Korean Peninsula. Um, I'm assuming he made all, a lot of his money there. Um, because prior to him being rule, like ruler, um, he lives in the capital of, uh, of Yamato. But his family is from Koshi. Right? Like his great-great-grandfather known as Emperor Keitai, he took over uh, a different lineage. And right there, when his great-great-grandfather took over, Keitai kind of broke... Some people see it as like a different dynasty taking over, and other people will say that, oh, this was one continuous dynasty. Keitai was a distant, distant cousin from... Uh, what's his face? Um, Budetsu. Budetsu was emperor, um, and according to the... Japanese Islands are great, every other place is shit book. He turned into one of those, um, what's it called? The Shang Emperors. So the last emperor of the Shang Dynasty and uh, Buretsu basically have the same story. They were uh, a set, uh, what's it called? Like, have you ever seen Game of Thrones? They became the Mad King. They were emperors, they abused their power, they tortured people for fun, they spent exorbitant amounts on, like, pleasure boats and women... Um, and they both, I mean, the Chinese one has a fox demon that like kind of hangs out with him and seduces him. But um, either way, they get painted in a really bad light. And seeing that the Nihongi, which is the Japan's Great Everyone Else is Terrible book, uh, is written for a Chinese audience. I think that's something to consider that uh, that motif is, is used. So Keitai takes over. That's Shotoku's great, great grandfather. And basically from when Keitai takes over to when Shotoku um, essentially takes the, the reins of the Yamato area, um, it's basically just like a clusterfuck. It's chaos, right? Keitai takes over. Keitai is not from Yamato. He's from Koshi, which is a region in the north. And that's they're basically like the Ainu of today, right? They're like the native folks of Japan, of the Japanese islands, who were there before the Korean migrants came in, right? 
I mean, if you were to look at it real simple, there's a whole whole lot of things technically wrong with that statement, but you know what? That's that's all we got time for right now. We'll get back to it. We can do Ainu in a different episode. But um so Keitai is more Ainu than he is like Yamato. Do you know what I mean? He's the he's the ruler of a different place, but a distant cousin of Buretsu. So Keitai becomes the ruler of Yamato and Koshi. Huh, I wonder how that happened. Probably not war crimes, but probably war crimes. So Keitai takes over. He comes down into the capital and uh, establishes himself as the ruler. In the same time, he uh, there's a lot of people in, you know, because Keitai still has connections to the Korean Peninsula, and there's a lot of people that the Yamato court has, um, like, that are vassals to the Yamato court that have territory on the Korean Peninsula. And the strangest things happen is that Keitai decides, you know who should get that land? The vassals of mine? Maybe some of those Bakje people, or the people from Shilla. But probably Bakje, because we like Bakje better. I don't know why they like Bakje better, but they do, or did. So Keitai gave a ton of land over, and I think he basically just supported uh, the territorial uh, acquisitions from from the uh, from Bakje. He has some kids. He dies. They go to war with each other. Eventually, one of them survives. Right. So we got three: Ankin, Senka, and um, Kinmei. Kinmei is the, I guess he's the one that dies last. Right. <laughs> um, and then he has three sons. Excuse me. And spoiler alert: they all fight each other and end up killing each other. So. Kinmei is the grandfather of Shotoku, right? He is the father of Yomei, who's the father of Shotoku. So, Kinmei has a bunch of kids, Bidatsu, Yomei, and Sujin. I mean, there's like probably tw- there's like 13, 14 other ones that are just male, but the ones that essentially take territorial control over regions, and at one point, the, uh, our great Nihongi describes them as emperors of Japan. Right, so in in this conflict, some of the emperors support Buddhism, some of them don't. When Bidatsu becomes emperor, um, Buddhism really comes into the islands, right? So it comes in as like an institution. It starts to appear. Part of that reason is because the Soga clan start to to rise in power. The Soga clan is 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 the clan that Shotoku is from. Shotoku is much more Soga than he is Yamato. So his allegiance lies a little bit more towards the Soga clan. So when Bidatsu comes emperor, you see um, the, there's a, a conflict starts. And this conflict is really between the Soga clan and the Mononobe clan. And I guess technically the Yakatomi and the Ome also hop in on the, uh, on the, the side of the non-Buddhists. So the Soga clan really has its work, out, work cut out for it. Um, Someone assassinates Bidatsu, and then, um, oh, Bidatsu's wife is Suiko, who will become empress after Sushin is killed. Sushun. Sushun is killed. Emperor Sushun. Sushun Tenno. Um, he's killed. Sorry, Bidatsu is uh, assassinated with smallpox, or he gets smallpox somehow, and he dies. He's like the first person in the Japanese islands to get smallpox. Which is kind of cool, except for the fact that he died of smallpox. Um, 
he wasn't really into Buddhism, but the Soga clan had, was really strong and powerful and influential. So they just decided, we're going to build Buddhist temples. Everyone else can go fuck themselves. Probably in Japanese, but that's basic sentiment they, 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 they had. Um, side note, sticking it right on there. When the first, I guess when, um, when the Soga clan decides they want to build some Buddhist temples, they get some people, some construction workers to come over from the Korean peninsula because no one in the Japanese islands kind of knows how to build a Buddhist temple. People in the Korean peninsula, real fucking good at building Buddhist temples. So they say, hey, come on over here. You can start a corporation and, um, and you know, we'll pay you guys to build these temples. That corporation is still in existence today. And it is the oldest company, the oldest continuously uh, working company in the world. It's a construction company. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. Wait, I'm going to get you the name for it. Give me one second. Okay, I got it right here. It's uh, Kongo Gumi. Kongo Gumi is the uh, oldest uh, company in the world. It makes it's, it's still open today. You can go to their website. And it's pretty cool. It's a, um, it's a Japanese construction website. I mean, it's a company, and the website, you know, just shows all the stuff they do. But they primarily only build Buddhist temples. And that's kind of what they've done for the last, I don't know, almost 1,500 years, which is pretty good. I mean, I kind of want to go buy stock in them now. But um, not trying to influence the markets in any way, shape, or form. But they actually, um, what is it? They went bankrupt and got purchased by a different company. So although it still exists, I think it... You know, it got bought. It, it had some financial troubles in um in the late two thousands, like two thousand seven to ten. But um, but yeah. Anyway, back to back to Shitoku and you know why I get this feeling he's a, a war criminal. Okay, so Bidatsu not into Buddhism. Shoga didn't give a fuck. Built some temples. The leader of the Mononobe clan starts burning down some temples and destroying some relics. So, oh shit, we skipped it. We skipped the whole emperor, Yome. Yome becomes the emperor. He's really into Buddhism. He helps it spread. He dies of smallpox or something else mysterious. That's very smallpox-like. Um, Mononobe decides to burn down a temple. Um, we are also going to introduce, so like Shotoku, prince, powerful guy, one of the other right-hand men and one of the powerful administrator or ministers in the uh, Yamada court is a person named Soga no Umako. And if you Google it, you might find pictures of ladies, or at least one lady, but you'll find pictures of where he's buried. He has the largest monolithic tomb in Japan today. It's a massive, massive um, rock that's, that's for a tomb. It's, it's pretty cool if you're into monolithic tombs. but um, He's he's he is a warlord. You can't get around that fact. Because once they burn down the the, uh, the Buddhist temple, he goes out and he hunts the um, he hunts that guy down, the Mononobe. And uh, there's a huge battle. He ends up killing him. And when Yome dies, there's a struggle for who's going to be who's going to be ahead of the Yamato clan, the Yamato court. Once again, the Mononobe. Sorry, not Mononobe. It's the Mononobe. Mononobe and Soga, they go to war. Turns out, Soga wins, and they kind of exterminate the main branch of the Mononobe. And 
I feel like at that point, Umako and Shotoku are both key figures in leading the victory. Shotoku is described as like, oh, he prayed for them and they mysteriously won. Hmm. That prayer sounds a lot like he did something militarily and they won and then happened to exterminate the entire family of the, the defeated. Hmm. A little suspicious. Anyway, the main branch of the Mononobe clan mysteriously gets murdered. And um, they put Sushun on the throne. And they say, Sushun, do you do you? Sushun, on the other hand, is a little concerned with all of the, uh, the massacring and the uh, atrocities being committed. He's a little concerned. He's like, huh, this, uh, this Soga no Umako, don't really trust him real much. Umako gets a hear of that, and he's like, you know what? Fuck you. Kills him. Hmm. Mm, people, questionable decisions. And who becomes in control after Umako basically assassinates the emperor of, uh, of, of Wa, of the Yamato court? Suiko. Suiko is the empress, and who gets to rule in her stead is going to be Shotoku. Shotoku, who is basically cousins with Umako, they're best friends, kind of like war buddies, and then he is the one who ends up ruling in her stead. And once he gets into power, he does a couple really significant things, and that's why if you Google him, you'll see pictures of him on money, you'll see cartoons of him, see pictures with his cool mustache, see pictures with his kind of stupid um, hair buns, and I guess they're not that stupid, but they when you first see him, they look kind of dumb. But uh, So Shotoku, he does a lot of stuff in terms of um, making sure the atrocities he committed on other people don't happen to him. So he creates a constitution for the Japanese people. Well, for, well, he coins the term Japan. He creates a constitution that kind of lays out everything that government is supposed to do. Constitution. But it's a Confucian constitution. So as opposed to like giving laws, and it's an old Confucian constitution, it doesn't give laws. It just kind of gives guidelines. And I mean, even less, even less clear than like the Ten Commandments guidelines, where it's like government should be good to the people. Blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't list like taxes or rights or anything like that. It just basically gives responsibilities for the government. Things that the that the state is or the rulers are responsible for doing for people that they're, you know, governing over and probably taxing. And um and yeah. So he does that. He establishes like a ranking system. Uh he got that from the Korean Peninsula through you know, through the Korean Peninsula from continental China, where he starts to, uh, he tries to make it much more, less family-oriented and more allegiance to him, right? So he's trying to draw people out of the family clans, and he wants the allegiance to go straight, right to the court, right to the emperorship. Um, and if he was the one to try to, like, push this idea of emperorship above all else, eh, I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, I'd question it, but I could see it. I could be like, I can see it, but I'm going to need some receipts. And uh, what else did he do? A bunch of other cool stuff. Um, oh, he had a bunch of mirrors after he died. Uh, he built some temples, some pretty cool temples. 
Constitution, name of Japan, uh, some cool art. Uh, oh, he wrote a bunch of commentaries on a couple of sutras, and then he died. He was assassinated, and then his family, um, and I'm not going to say, like, it's karma, because that's not technically what karma is, but if you use the colloquial term, the way that karma is meant to be used, um, his whole family gets murdered and exterminated in the same way that, like, the Mononobe clan was exterminated. So, eh, he kind of, you know, you know what they say. What goes up must come down. And if you uh, spend your career as a uh, atrocity-committing war criminal, maybe your family will get murdered. And it did. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's a bad thing, right? No one's family should be murdered, but... Oh, yeah. It's sad. And it happened about, I don't know, 1,500 years ago. So what are you going to do? Anyway, Shotoku, probably a war criminal. Definitely a Buddhist saint. Can you do both? Yeah, why not? Um, and that's basically my point. There's going to be more cool Shotoku stuff coming up. But um, I thought that was a cool, fun little thing that he really, really feels like a war criminal. Um, there are definitely Buddhist experts who... Um, who discussed the nuances of him, like was he a real person, um, what can be attributed to him. There's other stories about like how he's the reincarnation of the first female, um, I guess she's not technically a Buddha, she's a, a, a bodhisattva, and that technically he is a type of bodhisattva. Uh, we've seen him as a reincarnation of Kanon, we've seen him as a, uh, what's it called? A reincarnation of shit. One of the other ones, but um, because he's was such a proponent of Buddhism, he's more identified with Buddhism than anything else. And then once you get thrown in with Buddhism, they're gonna tell all sorts of fun, cool Buddhist stories about about your life. But you know what? This episode isn't saintly Buddha. I guess not Buddha. Buddhist uh, Bodhisattva. Shotoku. This is war criminal Shotoku. Um, and we don't really have a lot of evidence for it, but I have that gut feeling. And I really want to emphasize that because for as much as I want to call Shotoku a war criminal, I don't have I don't have that evidence. I just have this, you know, this like just get the feeling, you know? When you look at someone and you're like, yeah, they're a war criminal. Maybe you don't, but but that's what I got with him. I don't get it a lot, but it makes a fun, it makes a, you know what it is? I guess it makes a funner story when he's a war criminal, especially because of all of like how he like loved animals and he was so peaceful and he prayed and that's what he did. And after he prayed, the whole arm, you know, his opposing army was devastated on the battlefield. And you're like, hmm, maybe you kind of fucked up with that prayer. I mean, yeah, I guess you guys won and you got to spread your Buddhism, but like, I don't know if you should really pray for so many people to die. You know, and uh, yeah, what else? Shotoku. Oh, and then he appears. He appears to all the other, all the other uh, famous Japanese monks. Not maybe not all of them, but a couple of them, right? Kobodaishi, I believe he he appears to, um, and I think he appears on shit. A couple more mountains. Anyway, I'm gonna done. I'm done extending this. We're done. Like I said in every other episode, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, 
hit send me up an email hit me on up on twitter um that's pretty much it i hope you had fun i had a fun time i thought it was a cool little chat about shitoku and hopefully it made more sense and was a little bit more cohesive and coherent than uh than my last episode you know what they say little baby steps tiny steps gonna get towards an episode that's like streamlined that you turn on and you're like oh wow that's a cool fact or topic that he introduced oh wow those are some interesting facts oh wow he didn't even talk about how terrible government was this today maybe that happens probably probably not i mean maybe if i get like a someone to come on and talk to me you know like a guest that would be cool maybe i'll have something more streamlined then because it just have like the conversation um aspect but you know i'm okay with ranting i'm having fun i enjoy it and the first first rule of archaeology or um speculating about buddhist saints being war criminals is have fun and anyway i will leave you today and uh that's it i'm out